303-257-6578. That's how you can reach our friends Mike and Virginia Chevalier at Chevalier Mortgage, or you can visit them at dnvrmortgage.com. Mike and Virginia are not only diehard Broncos fans, but they supported DNVR for a long time. Their husband-wife team with over 15 years of financial services experiences. And you can visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do, and get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options. Since your home is likely to be one of your largest assets and your mortgage your largest debt, they believe it's vital to consider your full financial picture when purchasing a home. This includes considering your long-term and short-term planning goals, your investments, and your tax situation. Mike and Virginia will work tirelessly to find the best loan for your situation. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com or call them at 303-257-6578. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931-006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910-631. NVR Broncos podcast. Some are calling it America's podcast. I wouldn't go that far, but MSU Denver Online is the presenting sponsor of this show. Actually, some more people, some people are calling it the world's podcast, but none of that is relevant to me telling you all about MSU Denver Online, the one and only place where you can get rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use those relevant degrees to land coveted jobs. And some of our very own DNVR staff members are taking classes at MSU Denver online and they love it. So head to msudenver.edu slash online to scope out all they have to offer. We're talking 750 classes. There's something for everyone. So msudenver.edu slash online today. My boys, what's up? Happy to be on the Universes podcast with you guys today. Yes, I love it. All right, I missed something. America's podcast, the world's podcast, the universe's podcast. Was there something that came up on Friday? No, this is just what, <laughs> what many people are saying around the world. And many. We're not going to, uh, we're not going to fight the truth here. Yeah, I mean, if you want to, I mean, we're very humble and, and would never say that ourselves, but if you want to say that, we'll accept it. <laughs> I bet people will be saying it now. It's a large responsibility to be uh, the universe's podcast, but, you know, we're willing to take it on. To be the voice of the, the people and anything else that's out there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the voice of the living. <laughs> anyway, You be the voice of reason as well as the voice of the living. That's the goal. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's true. Um, it's, you know, again, um, a lot of people can't handle that, but we can. All right. Speaking of living, the chances 
of Drew Locke playing are alive. Vic Fangio, since the last time we've been on this podcast, telling media that there's a 50-50 chance Drew Locke plays on Sunday against the New England Patriots. Fellas, that's hope. So you're telling me there's a chance, and not just a chance, there's not just a chance he's playing, a 50-50 chance. Just flip that coin, the lands on tails, he's playing. That is incredible. And guys, that would be the Broncos bet paying off. That would be Drew only missing two games. Smart to not put him on the injured reserve because then he would be back by the third game. And boy, there's a little bit of hope in Broncos country for this season right now after the after the Broncos beat the Jets on Thursday. This is just another huge splash of hope for the Broncos along with everything that's going on with New England. This is getting exciting. Just over these last three days, the Broncos went from an 0-3 team to a team that has a lot of hope for this season right now. All right, I'm going to pour a little cold water, at least on the Drew, the Drew Locke thing, because of course. one thing that we've seen from – the last couple of years with Vic Fangio is when he's brought guys back, there's usually been a two week run up to the return. They kind of, they practice for a week uh, on a limited basis, get a few reps. And then the following week they work toward playing 50, 50 him saying that is well and good. I would be shocked if Drew Locke starts on Sunday in new England. And why is that? Just because of that trend, just because we haven't seen, because we haven't seen him go out there and throw a pass in practice yet, and I think, I don't think this is something that's just going to be where you turn it on like a light light switch and then go. I think this is going to be something you ramp up to. Now it's possible that you could see a scenario where Drew Locke maybe is in uniform as as a backup as an emergency option, but. I, I would be surprised if he starts Sunday, guys. Well, well, we see what emergency options look like with Mackay Becton. And yeah. That's never and that's, a good and, thing to do. So, and if, that's a warning to not do it. I mean, yeah, <laughs> if, if, you have four quarterbacks on the roster for a reason, which is a ton of quarterbacks. And it's going to stay that way until, until Drew Locke's healthy. But, Mace, one of the things you said there is why I agree with you, why I don't think he will play this week. And you mentioned we haven't seen him throw a football in practice. Well, he hasn't thrown a football. Uh, on Friday, Vic Fangio said since Drew Locke's injury, he has not thrown a football. He said he's thrown some little things, but not <laughs> footballs. I find it hard to believe uh, that, you know, unless Friday night, right after we talked to Vic, Drew started throwing footballs. But uh, I don't believe that's the case because the players were off Saturday, Sunday, and today. So let's say Drew picks up a football and is tossing it around the first day tomorrow, well, then then maybe there's a chance. But if it's even a few days into the week, then I just I don't like the odds uh, of him playing because you don't know how that shoulder is going to react. And what Vic said was he said, I just need to see a healthy quarterback when talking about Drew and what he needs to see for him to play on Sunday. He said, I'm not going to put him out there unless he's healthy, can throw without hesitation, without altering his delivery, and he's very confident and healthy that he can go out there and play normal I think that may be a lot to ask in like a five-day time period to go from not throwing a football to that and the other variable is can he take a hit if he lands on that shoulder again what's going to happen that's the and unfortunately unless they unless they start kind of taking a baseball bat or or just you know having contact with him they're not going to be able to 
they're not going to be able to figure that out. That's going to be the little bit, the little bit of guesswork that you're going to have to rely on, even a week from now, if he hasn't played against the Patriots. Are you saying taking a baseball bat to his shoulder? An extreme example, because I, what I was thinking in terms of is back when, uh, you know, back when quarterbacks, and, and sometimes we still occasionally see it, if they have a rib injury and you put them in a flak jacket, one of the ways you test it is by taking the baseball bat Oh my the chest. gosh! You've but I don't think they would do that to Drew's shoulder. Let me make that clear. I think that'd be malpractice. Uh, yeah. The word of the week. Yeah, you put you probably what you do is you probably just kind of put some pressure on it. Have have one of the trainers or, or strength coaches kind of put some pressure on it and figure out okay, you know, is there what what's the pain level here? What's the pain level here, et cetera? I think malpractice is developing into the word of the year. <laughs> it really is. Holy cow! <laughs> Uh, on America's ask Tyrod Taylor. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, God, poor Tyrod Taylor. Every time I think oh. about that, my heart drops. Um, for me, I'm with you guys in the sense that it's unlikely, but I'm not as far down. Like, how many, time, how many days do you need to be able to throw before you can play? I feel like it's like two. Sure. Yeah. And, and that's why if he is throwing tomorrow when they take the field or Wednesday when they're probably going to have their first full practice, then I can see it. But Ryan, you're right. The, 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 time, the part that takes a long time is, let, is like signing Blake Bortles. When you sign a new quarterback, it's the mental part that takes a long time uh, to get there. So I agree. Uh, if he can throw, you only need a few days, but you, know, you don't want him to, to be throwing for the first time on Friday and then having him wake up on Saturday to find out he's super, super sore or something yeah. like that. So that's why Wednesday to me would really be the cutoff date because he, he's not even going from, I would assume the first time he throws the ball, he's not going to go from zero to a hundred in one practice, you know, zero to 50 on, on Wednesday, Thursday, uh, 50 to a hundred Friday, see how he wakes up Saturday, see how he wakes up to know what, what's up for Sunday. And the other thing you have to consider also is game plan. And that's why if he's not out there doing a lot Wednesday, then it would probably be trending toward him not playing in the game because you're talking about missing, uh, missing some significant game prep at that point. And yes, we did see what Brent Rippon could do uh, out there with only mental reps for three days and uh, basically walkthrough type of work leading into the game against the Jets. But you are talking about going against the Patriots. You are going against Bill Belichick and what he's going to, to scheme up. It's a little bit of a different animal than you faced. Okay, so let's – the other question I want to have here well, – I've got a couple more. Should Drew Locke be playing on Sunday if he can go? You know, if he passes the Vic Fangio, you know, it's not jumping jacks this time. It's, it might a, be. There's shoulder, there's shoulder movement involved. It's true. Maybe maybe we're doing the jumping jack test. Uh, if if he clear if he's cleared, do you believe that's enough to just say, all right, cool, he's good to go, let's play him? If he's healthy, yeah, then then absolutely. And uh, what if he's like eighty percent? And assuming that there's no re-injury risk with this because it's a bruise, is that fair? Um, well, re-injury is a tough way of putting it, but you could, I mean, he could definitely be dealing with more pain after he gets slammed on his shoulder. If he can play without that pain affecting him, and I know that that's a clause on there, 
But then, yes, he, he should play because I believe that it would just be a pain management thing at that point. But if the pain is holding him back, then no, he shouldn't play. And the other thing is the pain is something that is going to be kind of a mental thing as well because you want to make sure that he is not limited, that he is not thinking about the injury, that he's not thinking about what happens if I'm hit. You want Drew Locke to be all of what Drew Locke can be before you put him out, before you put him back out there. So that's, that's and that's, an, unfortunately, that's something that's going to be really tough to gauge until you get to the actual game. And that's why you're probably going to err on the side of caution when it comes to Drew Locke. So for me, because of what happened last week, because of the, because they got the win over the Jets, and because of the potential scenario with the Patriots, I give the green light. Um, if the if this if the scenario was different and they had lost last week, and it's and really even if the Patriots were going to be at full strength, and we'll talk about that in a sec, I would be more hesitant. But because the opportunity has now presented itself to beat the Patriots which is still going to be an uphill battle, even if it's Brian Hoyer as a quarterback. Uh, I say, you know what, even if he's 80%, it's a risk worth taking. You're talking about honestly salvaging the season here uh, if you could find a way to get a win. So let's talk about Cam Newton in the New England Patriots. I've read over the protocols. I've read over the COVID, uh, you know, guidelines and – it sure seems like it's going to be difficult for the Chiefs to get Cam Newton back for next Sunday. Yes, it, it, it does. And it all depends on, you know, if he's showing cis symptoms and, and everything surrounding that. So uh, it doesn't seem like they will have Cam Newton. And guys, from Friday, the moment we talked to Vic to right now, kind of the, the thought that's been going in my mind with the Drew news, with the Cam news is, so you're telling me there's a chance regarding the Broncos season, regarding, uh, you know, having a chance to beat the Patriots on Sunday. I still think it's going to be a very uh, uphill battle, but there is a chance that you are not playing Cam Newton and that it is, in fact, Brian Hoyer that you're going against. So Doesn't scare you. So basically what it is is once Cam Newton becomes asymptomatic, he has to have two – negative tests with uh, that are 24 hours apart in the five-day period after he becomes asymptomatic man there's a lot of like weeds you have to get through here like who's who determines if he's asymptomatic does he just go into the facility and say all right my symptoms are gone or like how does that work well you you're probably having to trust him unless you're sending a doctor over there because the first thing you're doing, if you've got this, you're quarantining. So you're not going to the help. I mean, unless there's some significant malpractice word of the year coming back yeah. to us, you're not going to the Patriots facility. If you're Cam Newton, you're, you're staying away right now. So it's, it's a matter of you you have to have someone go, but presumably you have to have someone go over and administer the test. So I would say that probably when you administer the test, you're, at least taking his temperature. You're at least able to verify that part of whether he is symptomatic or not. 
Really quick, do we know if he was ever symptomatic? Did, did that come out over this weekend? I haven't yes, seen it. Yes, they said he had a mild cough or something like yeah. that. Okay, so then, yeah, that does push the timetable back. The, the, yeah. kind of, the, the kind of thing that if you didn't have it, that if you weren't getting tested every day like these guys are, probably would have just passed under the radar. Yeah, very uh... – the whole thing, is, I don't know, just makes me uncomfortable because I just feel like it's not scientific enough in terms of, like, how this process works to get him back. But I guess if he's still showing symptoms, he's likely still going to, sh- uh, to test positive. Um, and so basically, based on what I've read, it could be – it seems unlikely that Cam will play. Uh, and because of that, I think the situation here for the Broncos – changes dramatically now I also think there's a chance that the Chiefs go out and represent themselves really well tonight against what everyone kind of seems to start seem is seemingly starting to believe is an unstoppable unbeatable Chiefs team Uh, and if they hang close with the Chiefs I know that the hope for beating them uh, around these parts is going to plummet but I still think you have to really consider the fact that there is a astronomical difference between two and three going up uh, getting ready to host the dolphins and one and four getting ready to host the dolphins astronomical because i mean what we you know one of the things i've been talking about and i know we've discussed here is if you are at 500 at certain points in the season you give yourself a shot and getting to two and three means you come home to miami and you expect to win, right? Oh, yeah. Miami's kind of feisty, but you expect to win that game at home. And then, yeah, you expect to lose to the Chiefs, but you have the bye, you play Atlanta. You expect to beat them the way they're playing, especially on the defensive side. So you're getting to where three and three is realistic. Four and four is realistic. And then you start getting into the cluster of games where you have the Raiders and the Chargers. Then you have the Saints and the Chiefs. But again, you beat the Raiders and Chargers and you lose to the Saints and the Chiefs. You're sitting at 500 with four games to go and you've given yourself a shot with that run. And that's Carolina at home or or at Carolina, pardon me, Buffalo at home at the Chargers who could go either way. I mean, that's I'm surprised that uh, we're not talking about them a little bit just because of Justin Herbert and then the Raiders at home you've given yourself a chance if you can be 500 after six games after eight games after after 12 games you're right there and that's really all you can ask frankly given everything that you've been through but you still have a lot to overcome to get there let's 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 just keep it right there you can be optimistic but there's an awful lot this team has to get past and the Jets aren't let's face it the Jets are bad oh yeah you got to win over a bad team. It's what so you should do. whoop de doo So you're telling me there's a chance, and to have that chance for the season, to, to get that hope back legitimately, you, you have to win the next two games. You do, because you know that you're going to lose the Chiefs. You know, the odds will be incredibly stacked against you. And you can't be going into the bye two and five. Three and four, yeah, you can hang with that. You can manage with that. Uh, is it something that you would have taken before the start of the season? Maybe not, but you would have known that you still had a chance. Uh, you can't go two and five and boy, beating the Patriots in new England, really, even if they never signed cam was going to be tough. Uh, it was doable then at the beginning of the season when cam looked great, 
It looked like it was going to be an extremely tough task. And now everything is going in the Broncos' favor. They're getting all the breaks. Not only is there a chance Drew will be back, not only will the Patriots likely be without Cam, but guys, also, the Patriots are playing now on Monday night on the road instead of Sunday. They only knew about this 48 hours ago, so it's not like they've had uh, they had additional time last week to start game planning for the Broncos and putting things in place for the Broncos. And then on top of that, on the short week, the unexpected short week for the Patriots, now they're going to have to prepare for uh, Brett Rippon and Drew Locke. I mean, boy, this is a very tough task for, for the Patriots. And I mean, if there's anyone that, that can do it and handle it, it certainly is Bill Belichick, but it still is tough for even Bill. Yeah, it's not – it's a very difficult situation for them over there. Uh, and it's interesting – I mean, this is a total side point, but it's interesting to me that no one else got it. Cam Newton got it. Like, Bill Belichick must be seething inside that his starting quarterback, with who literally got off to an MVP start, could not protect himself from the virus outside of the facility because clearly, he clearly didn't get it from one of his teammates, um, which means that he got it doing something between the facility and his house, right? Yeah, it, it, it's crazy to me that this didn't pass on to anyone else. And it does make me a little worried uh, for the Broncos game this coming week. Not that the Broncos will get it from the Patriots, but uh, I'm just curious if there'll be any more positives in, in the coming days because of the incubation period and everything like uh, that, because I'm just mm -hmm. shocked at that. That would be – the Broncos game would be the least of the problems than if they just played a football game and then a bunch of guys test positive after I that. Agree. I mean, that, mm -hmm. that would be disastrous. Um, but, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's just – I just find it to be very uh, interesting. Starting quarterback of a undefeated football team, right? One loss to, to oh, the one Seahawks. Oh, right, 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 right. The starting quarterback on an MVP – campaign put himself in in harm's way i just i just know that bill belichick is he's thinking about tom because i think he thinks to himself tom would never do this well i mean brady was just uh you know trying to knock on other people's doors and so forth to try to practice wherever he could in, in the off season but uh yeah do we we don't know though what happened i mean we don't know how let's be fair to cam newton we don't know how he got this we I mean, for all, I mean, did he violate the protocols? That's something the league is trying to get to the bottom of. They're trying to get to the bottom of it with the Tennessee Titans as well. Was there a protocol violation that led to their outbreak? And uh, it just sort of comes back to the whole thing we discussed over the summer and that, you know, this is, it's noble to try to, to have this plan, but there are a lot of, there are too many easy spots where you can puncture this mini bubble that each team is trying to have here and uh, we're seeing some of the consequences of that right now right yeah I mean it could have been anything but I just from my perspective like my quarterback I would be telling him you go to the facility and you go home this is the bubble you're in the bubble <laughs> you just happen to have the freedom to not be in the bubble I am requesting that you don't do that and I also requesting that you don't let anyone inside the bubble other than your immediate family. And I'm also requesting that your immediate family doesn't leave the bubble either. You're, you're just giving, uh, giving him a car, pretty much, to, to, to be in his own bubble. Right, because, I mean, there's so many ways 
uh, that, you know, you, you have a cook or something and they got it and whatever. You just, you can't be too careful with your starting quarterback. I just, that's, uh, it's crazy. I don't know what caused it, but, um, clearly there's just, there was a, a breach in the plan. Okay. Last exercise I want to do here in the first segment. Uh, a quick, we did this last week. What should the line be if X? Uh, Zach, I'll start with you. What should the line be if it's Drew Locke going up against Brian Hoyer? What should the line be if it's Brian Hoyer going up against Brett Rippon? And what should the line be if it's Brett Rippon going up against Cam Newton? Oh, holy cow. All right. We'll start with Drew against Brian Hoyer. I think the line should be Patriots plus three and a half, or minus three and a half. Okay, Drew, Brian Hoyer, minus three and a half. Okay. I think if it's Drew against Cam Newton. No, uh, that wasn't an option. But okay, That wasn't an that option. One. Okay. You could do that one, too. You could do that no, one, too. No. It, is, it is a possibility. <laughs> uh, we will do the line. I think it'll be seven if Cam, yeah. if Cam is back. And now if we're going Brett Rippon against Brian Hoyer, we're going to go – Six. Oh, okay. Patriots favored by six. Wow. So Brett Rippon and Brian Hoyer is only uh, a point – is actually a point better for you than Drew Locke versus Cam Newton. Right. Uh, for mm-hmm. the Patriots – yes, exactly. Exactly. I mean, you're counting on Bill Belichick scheming Brett Rippon if he plays, and, and, that's, and that's the dangerous thing here. I mean, the only scenario in which we're talking about – it being a pick 'em, let alone the Broncos being favored, is if Cam is unavailable and Brian Hoyer gets injured tonight and Jarrett Stidham is starting for the Patriots on Sunday. Stidham versus Locke? <laughs> yeah, a Stid- little uh, and, SEC battle. Yeah, Stidham versus Locke, and you're saying Broncos by one and a half. Wow, okay. I still I don't think there's any situation in which they favor the Broncos. Uh, I got – so if it's Drew Locke versus Brian Hoyer, I've got um, Patriots mm, minus three and a half. Is that what you said, Zach? Yep, yep. exactly. Um, if it's Brett Rippon versus Brian Hoyer, I've got Patriots minus five and a half. Uh, and if it's Cam Newton versus Brian Hoyer, I've got Patriots minus eight and a half. Wait, Cam, Cam versus who? Uh, versus Brett Rippon. Brett Rippon, yeah. Eight and a half. Yeah, one of those has to be over the, the seven mark for me as well. Um, yeah, so why is there – why in terms of uh, the odds are the Broncos always underdogs? Uh, well, it's, they're on the road. Okay. They're a one-win football team that's only beat the Jets. Okay. And they don't have they, – even if they do have their starting quarterback – He's not 100% himself. Yeah, and to me it comes down to can Bill Belichick win with the backup quarterback? Yes, the answer is yes. And he's proven it with multiple different backup quarterbacks. So uh, I I think that, of course, the Pats are more dangerous with Cam Newton. But especially for a game or two, I'm not sure how much of a drop-off there is for, for Bill Belichick being able to game plan for that. Now. Something that you do have on the Broncos side for that is they're going to be on a short week, an unexpected short week. Is this 
probably the first time ever that Bill Belichick has had to prepare for an unexpected short week. So this may even be something that Bill Belichick himself has never seen. And I mean, there's only maybe, maybe this is the only thing he's never seen. It's true. Uh, A surprise short week with a backup quarterback. Uh, That's tough. If he comes out of this 2-0, go ahead and just crown him. (laughs) Right. Best coach of all time. Is this the year that maybe he'll win coach of the year? Uh, Yes. (laughs) Right. I don't know. If, if, If Cleveland gets to the playoffs, if Buffalo goes... 13 and three, you'd have a hard time not giving it to Kevin Stefanski or Sean McDermott, regardless of what's going on in New England right now. Yeah, but it's probably, wait, does Bill Belichick have zero coaches of the year? No, he's, <laughs> he's won it. He has. Okay. I was going to say, this might just be the year of righting some wrongs. Uh, Bill Belichick needs a coach of the year. Russell Wilson needs an MVP. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's fun to say that, but I think, uh, yeah, Bill Belichick's won coach of the year three times. Too many. I can't believe they gave that <laughs> more, uh, more votes than Russell Wilson has for MVP. I don't know, man. I guess it, I think Coach of the Year actually comes down to who wins the NFC East or the AFC East. I was going to say the, the NFC East. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, but, <laughs> honestly, if you can navigate through this. Uh, no, uh, the AFC East. Whoever wins the AFC East, if it's, if it's Patriots, I think it goes to Bill. If it's the Bills. I think it goes to Sean McDermott. And if it's uh, if it's the Jets, well, might as well be Adam Gase then for an incredible turnaround. No, if it's the Jets, it's going to uh, whoever the hell in there. They're going to make the interim coach after they fire. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Greg because, Williams. <laughs> yeah, if Adam Gase turns the Jets around and you give him coach of the year, uh, I mean, is it traditional to give the arsonist credit when he puts out the fire? Uh, oh that's good that's good um one thing that can maybe put out a fire in your life is a couple breckenridge brew palisade peach oh man this stuff is good uh we've already established that breck brew is the king the kings of fruit beers uh and if you don't like fruit beers you're just missing out on some of the best beers uh, but they're also the king. They're the best when it comes to any beers. But man, they know how to make a summer sipper. Uh, this Palisade Peach is just—it just screams warm evening on the porch, sun going down, a little smell of the grill heating up, and just that little peach aftertaste. Oh man, starting to get sad that the leaves are changing outside because there's just nothing like uh, a Breck brew on a hot day. So anyways, you want to try this Palisade peach, go down to your local grocery store. You can actually get them at Costco right now. Uh, Wherever you buy your beer, wherever you buy your groceries, you'll be able to find Breck Brews. And if you can't find them there, then just use the Breck Brew locator. You'll find out where the closest place you can get any of their beers is. Uh, So check it out and get yourself some Breck Brews. There's also nothing like DraftKings Sportsbook. They're just offering deal after deal. Another week of football, another deal. Week five, another deal coming your way for all the football fans out there. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is giving all new users the chance to receive a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. And on top of that great sign-up bonus, DraftKings is offering odds boost every single Sunday 
to help you bring home the cash. DraftKings is also giving all basketball fans a 200% profit boost on any basketball market once you sign up. The great thing about DraftKings, it's safe, secure, reliable, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So head to the App Store, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now, and use the promo code DNVR when you sign up to get up to $1,000. That's the code DNVR to get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000 for a limited time only, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, questions from the listeners. We got plenty today, so let's not waste any time. First one comes in from Michow. Hey, fellas, after another another unsung player of the Jets game was Garrett Bowles. I don't remember him being mentioned once, which is exactly what you want to see from him. And overall, he's been the Broncos' best O-lineman all season. This has me wondering if we may end up regretting not picking up that fifth-year option. It feels like since the insertion of Drew last season, Bowles has figured his game out. Thoughts? Yeah, he's been very impressive this season. And I agree with you, Michow. He's been the Broncos' best offensive lineman. 2020's been throwing a lot of curveballs, and that's just another one. Did the Broncos make a mistake? Well, if Garrett Bowles plays this way the entire season, then absolutely. You know, hindsight's going to be 2020, but you have to remember how you felt about him going into this season when they had to decide that fifth-year option. Yeah, and the other thing is uh, you have the franchise tag in play, so – it's not like you you're, you have you don't have the possibility of having him for another year and then seeing, but the difference between that franchise tag in 2021 and what the fifth year option would be is roughly four million dollars. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm always saying that you have to be able to project uh, as an organization. You should know better than anyone else if a guy's about to have a turnaround season. You should know when a guy's about to have a breakout year and try and sign him to a contract before he does it. All of these things. This one, this one's, this one seems like uh, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that they did not see this coming. Um, now, you, you really could point to how things looked with Drew Locke at the end of the season, and then you can go back to what May said all offseason, which is that you know Garrett Bowles actually has had the false positive show up before, and so you just needed to see more. Um, It'll be interesting to see, though. Are the Broncos – did the Broncos decide it's just time to move on from Garrett Bowles after the season, or are they going to go and the, are they going to be willing to take one positive season when the refs are just not calling holding penalties uh, and be willing to back up the Brinks trucks for Garrett Bowles? Because let me tell you, if he turns into Garrett Pro Bowles, which he could be trending towards right now, <laughs> you're going to have to pay – handsomely and so part of me thinks that the Broncos might just say you know what we'd just rather go a different direction than to pay handsomely for Garrett Bowles only to see him regress to the player that he has been for the first three years that we've seen after this season if the Broncos pay Garrett Bowles big time money are you feeling more comfortable if they pay him or are you feeling more comfortable if they let him walk walk as it of depends right now, what, that's how I feel as well. Yeah, it depends what the what the other plan is, but I mean, they this is a team that historically doesn't you know doesn't want to uh, overpay guys unless they are 
unless they are elite. I mean, you can argue that Vaughn Miller uh, probably worked out as an overpay, but it was what you needed to do at that point in time. So I don't know if Garrett Bowles reaches that level where they're gonna where they're gonna open up the checkbook. I I, I wouldn't be surprised if they just if they tag him and kick the can down the road a year. Man, what's yeah. crazy is if you let him walk and th- this trend of him being the best offensive lineman on your team continues and you just let your best offensive lineman walk it, and man, that would just be something else with the struggles this team's had on, on the offensive line. And a large part of that has been Garrett Bowles uh, contributing to that recently. I know, but doesn't it uh, doesn't it just feel like whatever decision they make is going to end up being wrong? <laughs> right, yeah. They sign him to a huge contract and he turns back into the guy he was, or they let him walk and then he's just a pro bowler wherever he goes. Yep. The other thing to consider here is that Garrett Bowles will be 30 years old. He's already over the hill in NFL years. Wow. When, when he starts that contract, which should have been – the end-all, be-all when you're trying to make the decision between Garrett Bowles and Ryan Ramchick. And, yeah, how old's Ramchick right now? Uh, like the same age that Garrett Bowles was when you drafted <laughs> right. Next one coming in from Dead Tone 2, a.k.a. Mace, you're muted. After about a year of consternation on the matter, I believe I may have reached a horizon on the straw debate. A straw has neither one hole nor two. A straw does not have holes. A straw is a tunnel. A tunnel is a singular entity defined by two entrances and exits that pierce the main body of a mass. Just as a hot dog is not a sando, a straw is not a hole nor a set of holes. You don't enter a hole when you enter a tunnel. Your beverage, likewise, does not either. A straw is just a type of drinking tunnel. Thanks for giving me something productive to do with my life over the last many seasons. My wife thanks you too. Uh, I think this is the wrong metaphor. Strong disagree. You have to make a hole to create a tunnel. Like the Eisenhower tunnel, at least the, the wives tale that I've heard is like one, what the one crew started on one side, one crew started on the other side. And they were just like, all right, see you guys in the middle. That's two holes. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think I, I was following you dead tone too, until you said you don't enter a tunnel. If I'm on the phone with someone, they're like, where are you? And I'm, entering the tunnel i'm gonna say i'm entering the tunnel right now i don't don't know how else you would say it right yeah you're in a tunnel you're not i mean he says you don't enter a hole when you enter a tunnel oh gotcha Mm, that's Mm. interesting i would say you you absolutely i don't know (laughs) why are we has dead tone two been thinking about this since that debate every day i think so or he's just like two years behind on the pods but commenting up to date he's like man yeah i just heard the tunnel debate and man am i sick of joe flacco (laughs) (laughs) oh wow and uh, man he he thought he might may have been caught up with the pods by seeing joe flacco in there uh on thursday Joe Flacco, perfect completion, perfect completion percentage, perfect. Uh, you know, I, I don't think it was a perfect passer rating, but no, because you have to have a touchdown yeah, for that. Yeah, it absolutely was a perfect, dominant. It was a perfect one hundred passer rating, though. Perfect one hundred pass, one hundred passer rating. That's oh. not how that works, but that's okay. <laughs> it was a, it was a crisp one hundred. It was just one hundred point zero. Yes. It, it was it was good to see him get in the game though, just because every time I looked over him, and, I, and honestly, because of last year, I kept 
focusing my binoculars on him on side on the sidelines just to see is he engaged? Nah, he was as disinterested as ever. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was good to see him get into the game considering that was one of the rules of our Thursday night football drinking game, Thursday night football. Um, and you had to finish your beer if Joe Flacco entered the game. And- <laughs> Please tell me y'all had rides home. <laughs> uh, I don't have. I don't even have to drive. Yeah, <laughs> even <better>. walk home, <laughs> stumble home. I mean, when I saw when I saw that drinking game and I saw what had happened in the game in the in the game, I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> it's just they were just sips at a time. It was all oh. good, except except for the two or three finisher beers. Oh well, from the Danimal. <laughs> In light of our Thursday night win, which was the uh, which was the first in route to our 16 and 0 finish this season, I'd like to give a shout out to Mesa's favorite reporter, Colin Cowherd, who tweeted last year: Adam Gase plus Greg Williams plus Sam Darnold. Anyone know where I can pre-order my 2020 AFC Championship tickets at MetLife Stadium? Truly a man of foresight. Can we call Colin Cowherd a reporter? I mean, what does he ever report on? He's well. Sometimes yeah. he has reports. He's. Uh... He reported that Adam Gase was going to get fired if they lost to the Broncos, and he's still strutting into the, to the facility today. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, he's, a, he's, a, uh, he's a bloviator with a microphone. Didn't Colin like the Broncos this year, though? Didn't he like Drew? He did. He did. But the Broncos haven't had Drew. It's true. It's I, think, true. I think he liked him just to counter Nick Wright, by the way. <laughs> Possible. How could anyone like Adam Gase? I don't understand. How could anyone have thought that was a good hire? I don't know. I speechless. No idea. There's literally no evidence to suggest such a thing. Not only that, but then they pretty much gave him all of the power. Not just the head coach power, but pretty much gave him all the GM power too. Essentially, a team hired Vance Joseph. And everyone was like, not everyone, but multiple people were like, yep, that could work out. I don't know. At least, at least Adam Gase had taken a team to the playoffs before. I mean, but wasn't I wouldn't say that. I would say that higher Vance year? Joseph. What that? Yeah, it was hit in his um, it, yeah, his first year because he went from Chicago to for a year and then then to Miami. What That's they did was down economics, baby. What they did was, and this is going back. This is something the Jets did before. They they hired the second coming of Rich Kotite. Kotite Eagles coach did well early, tailed off later, but then the Jets brought him aboard. They said, oh, this guy's from Staten Island. We're going to give him all the control, and they won four games in two seasons. For the Jets, Adam Gase is becoming Rich Kotite 2.0. Yeah, yeah. Looks, it looks like it. Speaking of Broncos' former coaches, Rich Scangarello last night won the Rich Scangarello Bowl on primetime football. Oh, that's true. He, must, he was probably sad to see Nick Mullins get, just <laughs> – have a pretty terrible game. Get benched. Yeah. Oh, I forgot that they benched. That was crazy. That was a quick trigger. I, I, I don't know if he was that sorry. I think Scangarello told Jim Schwartz and company what to look for from oh, Nick 100%. Mullins. <laughs> because they, they, they looked like they knew exactly where he was throwing for a good chunk of that game. Yes, and I guess if um, Rich Scangarello was getting the blame for Carson Wentz's demise, <laughs> he's got to get some credit for his good game last night. He's got to get credit for putting the Eagles in first place in the division, right? How about that? I love how quickly Philadelphians changed their mind about the tie last week. (laughs) Because, listen, you know, you go for it there on that fourth and 16. Now, it might still just be a tie. 
but you definitely your loss percentage definitely goes up they brought the lose percentage basically down to zero and that was what what the plan was and i i bet doug peterson was thinking this this division is a load of crap half a win is going to be worth something and it happened instantly instantly yeah. half a win was worth something yeah the next week they win their first game of the season and take over number one in the division incredible yep they have one and a half wins <laughs> buckeye bronco chiming in fellas 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 coffee talk three wins and four losses by the bye i'm a little verklempt choked up talk amongst yourselves wow that was that was a very count-esque uh, comment, it certainly it's, was. It's, it was like uh, Count meets Ice Iceman. It's an old Saturday Night Live reference from the early '90s, where a uh, Mike Myers had a character named Linda Richmond. Coffee talk, talk amongst yourselves. I'm a little verklempt. Three wow. wins and four losses by the by. Discuss. Wow, sounds like I didn't execute it properly. Yeah, yeah. definitely not. <laughs> uh, three wins, four losses by the by. We talked about it. It's possible. Uh, and wow, what a different feeling there will be around Broncos country if that's the case. Um, I'm just like crossing my fingers so, so much for the Broncos to find a way next week because it just makes everything so much more fun, so much more interesting. I mean, if you, if you win next week, odds are in your favor that you will be three and four at the bye and then everything's on the table for you right there. Yep, certainly is. Onion Town Links. Hey guys, I just wanted to ask if you agree with this statement. Quote, Dak Prescott is the new Philip Rivers. Have a good one, Links. Hmm, man, that's. <sighs> I say like it's Matt, more Matt Stafferty. Yeah, I like that. I was gonna say maybe even given Philip River that maybe given Dak a little too much credit. And I, I'm oh not, wow, I, I I I like but but I mean Dak put up 500 yards yesterday. It's hard to disagree with some of the games he has, and so maybe that is a Matt Stafford thing because Matt he Stafford can. we know he can put up the numbers at times. Oh. How is Dak Prescott supposed to stop the Browns from rushing for 300 yards? You know, he's, he's just supposed to do that much more, that much more, 600 yards, Dak. No, and, and obviously yesterday was not on Dak Prescott at all, but it's pretty crazy the high of highs he can get. I think, he, did he have two games last year where he had a perfect passer rating? I think, I know he at least had one uh, and, and some incredible games, but then he also has some just pretty bad games too. You, you, maybe a comparison is uh, he had one game where he's 158.3 against the Giants last year. Maybe this is a little bit of Jake Plummer. Because that game yesterday, bringing him back, putting up 500-plus yards, uh, in part because you're throwing it constantly because you're behind, it reminded me of Jake Plummer's 500-plus game that he had when the Broncos were playing the Falcons back in 04 and – Michael Vick was just running and passing all over the all over their defense, and it was a catch-up situation. And he's he's just heaving it and racking up yardage. All right, yeah. let's live in a scenario where the Bengals get the number one overall pick, which seems unlikely now because they won. Congratulations, you played yourself out of it. Um, but just let's just live there for a second. The Jets somehow, you know, they fire their coach, they get two wins. Um, you have two options. You can and let's just say Drew Locke, um, I, don't know, I don't want to jinx anything, so I'll just say like he retired or something. Um, <laughs> he, found, he found a passion for c computer science. <laughs> Anyways, um, 
True. So you've got two <laughs> options. <laughs> Computer science. Uh, he, you can pay Dak Prescott forty million dollars a year on a five-year contract. Give me or, option B. B. I don't care what it is. <laughs> or you can trade three first-round picks, three second-round picks, and um. Okay, three first-round picks and three second-round picks for the number one overall pick to draft Trevor, Trevor Lawrence. Oh, man, of course you had to throw those second-round picks in there <laughs> just to make me say option B or to, to change. But, no, I'm sticking with option B. Now, maybe it does get a little more difficult if you don't have Trevor Lawrence in this draft and you're just drafting you know, any first-pick quarterback, a Baker Mayfield sort of thing. But with Trevor Lawrence, I'm doing that. Well, at the cost of Dak Prescott, I think you'd actually have a better expenditure of the money of that money by saying, "Okay, let's try to develop a time machine, go back to 2016, and not pick Paxton Lynch, not make that trade, and settle for picking Dak Prescott in round two. Uh, that's what I was pounding the table for, uh, leading up to that draft. Yeah. I just, I, I, you know, like there was that old clip of me saying Colin Morikawa's name a million times. That was me on the podcast talking about Dak Prescott. Um, I just, I don't know. You know, I, I keep, I keep harping on my own bad evaluations when it comes to quarterbacks, but I've also had some good ones. Like yeah. I almost tweeted yesterday. I just, I, I just forgot. I was going to say like everything I said about Josh Rosen before the draft, I meant to say about Josh Allen. It was all just a big mix up. <laughs> I mean, I'm also well, rethinking my too. Justin Her- my I'm rethinking my Justin Herbert evaluation today. I know that's another yeah. one where I'm like, damn it. I was wrong on that. But like, I was right about Kyler. I was right. Well, hopefully yeah. I was right about, uh, I was right about Lamar Jackson. Right. Uh, you know, I, I've had, I feel like I'm, I'm above 50% on these, but it is easy to, to, and, to remember and, when you were and, just way off. I mean, Baker Mayfield starting to, to make me look a little bit better now. I mean, I'm feeling mm-hmm. better about that. That one's really, undecided so far. I'm really proud of myself for being right on Andrew Luck. I, I, na- I nailed uh, that one. Job. I knew he was going to be a good quarterback go. and, you know, retire before he was 30. Good old Andrew Luck. Because he's going to find a love for computer science. It's I knew basically it. what happened. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? Do you think – someone tweeted this yesterday. I can't remember who it is. But do you think Andrew Luck watches football on Sundays? No. I no. wouldn't think so. I think he watches soccer and then he turns off the television. <laughs> He's a huge soccer fan. Oh my god! Probably more of a soccer. I so perfectly picture him up at six a.m. with a scarf around (laughs) his neck. Yeah, cheering on, you know, Liverpool or whoever his team is. Yeah, I I might be wrong. I want to say he's a he's a Spurs fan. Okay, and then he goes out with his Spurs jersey on or kit or whatever you want to call it. And mows the lawn during NFL Sunday. Then uh, he comes yeah, in, yeah, yeah. I was takes say. a nap, <laughs> and watches like Murder She Wrote to round out the night. Although, did you guys did you guys see the Bruce Arians quote uh, that from when he was interviewed by ESPN yesterday on Countdown? No. And he was asked to uh, build the perfect quarterback using the greatest traits from each quarterback he's coached over the last 20 years because, of course, he's coached Tom Brady, he's coached Ben Roethlisberger, he's coached Peyton Manning. He said that quarterback already exists, and his name is Andrew Luck. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wow. I mean, first of all, that's like the greatest compliment I've maybe ever heard. 
Second of all, that's slightly disrespectful to all the other guys that he's coached. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But it's why he was considered generational coming out. So then how – I mean, how much of a failure – was not just Massive. him, but the, the entire organization and everything around him if he wasn't able to get to a Super Bowl. Organization starting with ownership and then GM Ryan Grigson, not, not building a wall in front of him, not protecting him. That's, Zero failure is on Andrew Luck. He yeah. was good enough. Well, I don't know if you can put zero. No. I will say this. He was one know, of the best quarterbacks in the game while he played. He was. I will say this, though. Um, every quarterback takes a, a percentage of the blame for wins and losses. Um, Jim Ursay, though, you know, he, he tried to make it seem like it was Peyton Manning's fault that they weren't winning Super Bowls there. And it is very clearly the other way around. It was his fault that they didn't win more Super Bowls with Peyton Manning. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you gave the Colts Bob Kraft instead of Jim Ursay then the Colts have the dynasty and they are running off six like Super Bowls, not the, not the Patriots. Any competent owner that isn't a bumbling drunk. Yeah. <laughs> now, now. All right, that's, sorry. That's one from Drew Locker, boy. Boys, Drew Locker could start this Sunday against the Patriots. Without, with Cam out, the Broncos, whether it's with Rippon or Locke, have a real shot at winning this game. Speaking of the Patriots, looks like the Chiefs are going to win tonight. The only team that have a real shot of beating them are the Bills and the Saints. So, as long as no flukes happen, the Chiefs are going 16-0. RK, I am down for the pizza bet. DLB, locking in. Well, Ryan, do you want to lock it in? Yeah, 16. I will definitely take the not 16-0 bet. You get the field. And, hey, it could happen tonight. Would it, would it be the craziest thing if Bill Belichick beat any team in the league? Uh, I was talking to my buddy who's a Chiefs fan this morning, and he's, like, terrified. And I'm just like, <laughs> man, you've been a Chiefs fan for too long. There's no excuse, in my opinion, for the Chiefs to lose to win this game by anything less than two touchdowns. With that being said, I could see it happening. <laughs> All right. Yep, exactly. Because, Bill, you never know. There, there, it's, there's going to be that lingering fear of the Patriots and Bill Belichick and, until they prove they're mediocre over – a two-season stretch. Would you be surprised to see, like, you know, they they just have some like, – it's like some new version of the Wildcat that Bill came up with in the last 72 hours that they run for most of the game. It's not the Wildcat, but it's some other crazy thing. No, no I, I'd be even uh, maybe more or less surprised if it was Brian Hoyer running the Wildcat all game. <laughs> <laughs> Man. I, I mean, I'm down for it. I want an entertaining game. I just think the only way you beat – there's just one way to beat the Chiefs. It doesn't no, – nothing else really matters is can you get pressure with four? If you can get pressure with four, you can beat the Chiefs. If you can't, you cannot beat the Chiefs. Yeah. But it begins and ends there, in my opinion. Yeah, because, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if Patrick Mahomes doesn't have the ball often. He can still score a ton with, with only a little bit of time. Yep. So I don't know if the Patriots can do that, and that's why I think they're going to lose by a so, lot. So we got a pizza bet locked in. I love it. Next right, one from right. Love Thunder Down Under. Guys, really disappointing developments with Jerry Judy. Not sure Broncos country can take much more of this. 2020 is just awful. 
At what point do we just call it a season? He's our first round draft pick. And for him to openly take this stance, will do nothing but divide the team, the city of Denver and all those that call Broncos country home. I can't imagine Dalton Reisner agreeing with him. And I know Vaughn isn't in the room each day, but he wouldn't agree either. Surely. I am not sure. I put this on Elway, but it's tough, but it's tough. We can't ignore. How do they not figure this out pre-draft? I am not sure I can cheer for cheer for Jerry Judy when he so openly supports supports smooth peanut butter. How do we come back from this? Oh, come on. He went way up on my on my list when he announced <laughs> when he said that. I mean you, you don't want little bits of nuts in your peanut butter, you just want it nice and smooth. Just like Jerry Judy plays, smooth. No, I want all the nuts in my peanut butter. Uh, I want bipartisan peanut butter coverage. You know, <laughs> all peanut butter is good. Y'all are uh, savages. Uh, I, oh. you know, I, it's so, I don't know if you guys caught this, but oh, yesterday man. on uh, our Sunday morning show, The Tailgate, which if you aren't tuning in, your Sunday mornings are lacking. Um, but our friend, the Big T, sent us a whole box of foods from England. And so uh, in the last segment of the show, we put on blindfolds and sampled these foods from England. And there was this one thing, I can't even remember what it was called, but it was legitimately disgusting. <laughs> and our Not question, Marmite? No, no, we're saving that for next week. Uh, we're going to do a Marmite versus Vegemite taste test live. <laughs> Um, it was like, uh, it was like, like onion relish, but like in some like brown sauce with like big chunks. It was just disgusting. That sounded good. I gotta say. <laughs> <laughs> and so we were talking after like what, and the big T let it be known. He said like, these are gross English foods, but like a lot of people in England eat them. So I was thinking, like, what could we, what would we choose from American foods that would, like, gross out other people? We couldn't really come up with anything, so we started Googling it. Apparently, a lot of other countries think peanut butter is a disgusting thing. Really? Yes. Wow. And why is that? Is it just because they think Nutella is way better and that's all they want? I think it's just because they think, like, the idea of just, like, a, a dry paste like that. You know, like, if you, like... If you like put that in your mouth when you had a blindfold on, you didn't know what it was. You would be like, "Like, what did I? What am I eating?" You'd be like a dog mm. when, when they eat it. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's what it has to do. It's a texture thing because if you if you strip yourself from like loving peanut butter your whole life, you do realize like the first time you put that in your mouth, you'd be like, "What is happening right now?" Oh man, yeah, yeah. I mean that that's interesting. I'm just trying to think of. Boy, if people think peanut butter is weird, there are some other very weird things. But I guess maybe not with texture. But I'm just thinking, like, what what would people think of a Rocky Mountain oyster? They would just think it was like fried chicken or something. No, no, no. But Tougher. but yeah, not 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 the not the taste with a blind taste test, but just like uh, oh, what just would the they think of the of idea? It? Yeah, yeah, they would think that's repulsive. They don't like crushed up peanuts. Uh, yeah, but, uh, <laughs> I mean, different cultures, different things. I mean, you go. I mean, uh, you go to you go to Korea, you go to other places, and uh, there are some things that we wouldn't touch that uh, other cultures find to be a delicacy. Yeah, in the end, um, 
we didn't come up with anything that I don't that I think anyone thinks is gross. Oh, another thing that apparently some uh, other countries think is whack is cream cheese. Like two staples of my life, peanut butter and cream cheese, apparently uh, are considered gross in other places. Do you eat Just them a- together? Hmm. I'm sure there's a scenario where you could, and it would be good. What about a PB and PB and J just without the J? It's uh, it's CC. PB and C. PBCC. <laughs> PBCC. Um, uh, on a toasted bagel, peanut butter and cream cheese. I bet it would be good. Man, that would be that would be a lot of smacking. Yeah, it really would. <laughs> you would eat that one alone. Yeah, dry mouth for a different reason this time. <laughs> Uh, I don't know how we got here, but let's move on. Uh, from Love Thunder Down Under. guy. Oh, that was the one we just did. Um, let, J- let Jerry Judy eat whatever peanut butter he wants. He's, everything about him is smooth. Of course he loves smooth oh, peanut butter. I, I got to say really quick, I read this comment last night, and I was freaking out for a second that I missed some huge news before I got to the bottom part. I was like, how did I miss this all weekend? From Dan Burke. Hey guys, remember when the fan base wanted to can Garrett Bowles for Trent Williams and Jason Peters? I know it's early and his performance could decline, but if it came between franchising Simmons or Bowles this year, what route would you go? Still Simmons. The Bowles situation is reminding me of what happened with Jack Coughlin. The Titans declined his option. He ended up having a good season in a contract year and got $14 million to play right tackle for the Browns. If Bowles continues on his trajectory or making the Pro Bowl or even all pro isn't a reach, then he'll easily get $15 million per year on the open market. Yeah. It's not wrong. The but franchise tag is actually an interesting um, option that the Broncos have here. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's, it's a good option if you're not sold yet. But also, I think what people have to take a step back and realize, the Broncos don't have to make this decision on a franchise tag right now. They don't have to make a decision on giving him an extension right now. It's not right now. If he plays this way the rest of the season, I'm feeling a lot more comfortable with him. I am just, I've seen three years of this uh, up till now. I'm not letting four games, or if you want to go back to last year and, and, and give him those games with Drew, I'm not letting those change everything else I've seen so drastically where I'm like, here, Bulls, here's a four-year, $60 million contract. I'm not letting it change it right away, but at the same time, I am really encouraged by what he has done since Drew Locke went out. And yeah. that's, that's well, what's yeah. crystallizing it for me is that you can't simply say, okay, it is a function of having Drew Locke as a quarterback and it's making him better because he's carried that over with Jeff Driscoll and Brett Rippon. Yeah, I mean, his, very clearly his worst snaps this year were with Jeff Driscoll at quarterback. Um, and I think that is telling you that just having a quarterback with good pocket awareness and a bit of mobility is making a massive difference for him. Um, he didn't have that with Trevor Simeon. He had no pocket awareness. Case Keenum got a little uh, hap- got some happy feet, and he struggled a little bit. Joe Flacco couldn't move, so you know it didn't matter you know what his awareness was. Um, and then you throw in Drew Locke, and Drew has a good feel, and you throw in Brett Rippon, and he has a good feel. And I think that's making all the difference. Jeff Driscoll, not a good feel, and Bowles had some of his worst plays with him. So you're feeling good about it, but man, the franchise tag. It's starting to seem like it actually make that that might end up being the move here, just because while it'll be very expensive, 
it's better than committing to four years when you're not 100% sold yet. And you have an aging tackle. Crazy to say it, but he will be an aging tackle. Yeah, that, that is wild. And really quick, I, I should say that I don't mean my mind isn't being changed by him. I'm just, I just haven't flipped from going to uncertain on Garrett Bowles uh, to like totally sold on him. I have been impressed and my opinion of him certainly is changing, but it's, you know, along the spectrum right now, it's not all the way sold yet. Yes, for sure. From the big T a quick thank you to RK Henry and Andre for the tailgate this week where they tried a sample of UK foods I sent over. Not sure if the blindfolds were necessary, but it did have me and my wife in fits of laughter, especially Andre's curled up lip as he tasted everything. I think the twiglets stole the show maybe after quote Jeffy cakes or Jaffa cakes as we call them. (laughs) Allie called them Jeffy cakes. (laughs) uh, I said, that's my new nickname for Jeff Driscoll. (laughs) Jeffy Mm. cakes. Wow. You may not be calling him that uh, very soon. No, not as tasty as tasty cakes. Uh, He goes on and says iron brew pronounced. Yeah. Iron brew is the national Scottish drink behind whiskey. So orange uh, definitely could be the Broncos officially. Yeah. It's basically just orange soda. That was good. Anyhow, I wanted to give a shout-out to you three and Allie and everyone else involved. Hope everyone else enjoyed it, but it made us laugh. Can't wait for the Marmite versus Vegemite taste-off. Surely Marmite has to win this. Shots fired to Love Thunder, Down Under, and all the other Aussie DNVR members. Oh, and you 100% need a Scandinavian listener to send you some surströming. Um, I think you got they it. Ac- they actually have a lot of laws after their the, – uh, re- they have a lot of laws over there as to where you can open the tin. It smells that bad. Okay, so where can't you guys, open the tin? That's what I want to know. Probably just like in public. In public. I want to know why would you be eating something that you have to open and eat in private because <laughs> it smells that bad? It's got. It's got, based on the fact that it's Scandinavian. It's got to be something fish related. Oh yeah. I'm yeah. guessing it's like an anchovy style thing. Let's get a quick Google search here. Maybe even it's a rotten anchovy style thing. Surströming is a, a lightly salted fermented Baltic sea herring. Uh, traditional to Swedish cuisine dating back to the 16th century. Uh, so, yeah, it's basically anchovies. And my God, it looks even it looks fermented so herring <laughs> according to uh, a, a swedish website they are plucked out of the baltic sea before they are stored for months to stew in their own bacteria no. through a carefully calibrated <laughs> autolysis method which creates rather smelly acids using just enough salt to prevent it from rotting <laughs> don't look scared this is an old food preservation method has been around for hundreds for hundreds for thousands of years around the world the traditional Sir Strumming premiere is held on the third Thursday in August. That's when sweets crack open their cans of Sir Strumming. If the can has a slight bulge, don't worry. It's because the fermentation <laughs> process continues even after the herring is canned. Nope. BuzzFeed's American staff published a video of themselves trying it for the first time using words like dead body and baby diaper to describe <laughs> the smell. It smells like King Kong. <laughs> but eat it with onion, sour cream, bread, potatoes, and a glass of snaps. All right. So I've been famous for saying I'll try everything. <laughs>
I don't know about this one. Here, here's what I'll say. We're definitely not trying it on the show because we are not going to make the DNVR bar smell like that crap. Hey, just check, check this out. It, it must always be stored in a cool environment. If it is stored in a warm place, It'll the lactic explode. acid destroys the proteins and there's no fish left inside the can. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I think this uh, certainly means that we need uh, a can of this sent over. I at least need to hear from, like, Timmy from Sweden. Defending how, it? <laughs> like, is this, like, does he feel about it the same way that the Big T felt about a lot of the foods he sent us? Or is, or is Timmy over there like, no, what do you mean I snack on these daily? Yeah, what if he's like, this is, this is my peanut butter, man? <laughs> <laughs> You guys eat that gross peanut butter? <laughs> we, we eat fish that ferments in its own bacteria. I don't see the difference. <laughs> Man. Oh, wow. wow. Oh. Well, uh, yeah, we like to try foods from all over the world. And if you want to try golf courses from all over the world, you can hop on to WGT. It's the most popular golf game for your phone in the entire world. Download WGT and go into the DNVR Country Club by going to dnvrgolf.com, downloading the app, and then going into Country Clubs, typing in DNVR3, number three, no spaces, DNVR3. Uh, it's the most realistic free golf game loved by more than 20 million players all around the world. And oh, we're getting towards 1,000 members of the DNVR family who are playing along with us. So if you're not yet You'll have a lot of fun with it. We've got a, a, a channel in the DNVR lounge to talk about it. Everyone seems to be enjoying it a lot. So head over to dnvrgolf.com and download WGT today. And if you want to follow a sport that is all around the world where I got just the place for you, DNVR, we are giving you the best American rugby coverage. We really do have the American coverage for all of rugby here because Infinity Park here in Glendale, Colorado is now the new official training center for men's and women's USA 15 teams. That means Colorado is the place for rugby and the United States, making DNVR the voice of American rugby. And you can listen to that sweet voice of Colton Strickler on the DNVR Rugby podcast. You can follow him on Twitter, DNVR Rugby, to get all the latest news and updates. And also at thednvr.com is where you can get great breakdowns of the game and also of everything going on in American rugby. So check us out on Twitter at DNVR Rugby. Check us out on podcasts at DNVR Rugby. And check us out at thednvr.com. Ryan, you're making some uh, gross faces. I can only imagine that you're looking up creamy peanut butter. <laughs> I'm watching the BuzzFeed video that Mace referenced. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Oh my god, it looks even more gross when it's when it's a video than when it's just a picture. Uh, uh is, is the texture something else? It's it's got to be just the yeah, the the oh god. It's got to be just the smell that's so bad, but because I keep expecting the people to just absolutely lose it when they eat it and the only people that like do that are the people who were just like freaking out too much before you know what i'm saying like right they made it so much worse in their heads than it actually was there are a lot of people who just eat it and are just like oh okay yeah then there's like a couple people who who puke so you, know, <laughs> you really get the full uh full scale here wow surstroming uh, surstroming yeah the 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 thing that i'm reading here on this and the pages it's from the local.se it says 
what you need to know before trying Sweden's fermented herring. It suggests that you do want to smell it first. It says, as soon as you open the can, stick your nose as close as possible and take a deep breath and it will immunize yourself. I, um, oh my God, I don't know. And it, it insists it tastes better than it smells. Man, I, I, it definitely tastes better than it smells. I can just tell by watching that video, even without the sound. Uh, when the people smell it, they lose their minds. When they eat it, they're like, mm, eh, they're kind of on the fence. All right, next one oh is gosh. from, oh, you want to say the name? I'll do it. Maybe the dingo ate your baby. <laughs> the Broncos were off yesterday. How many injuries did we have on the off day? Touch wood. Since the Broncos were off, I didn't eat any Tide Pods in an attempt to stomach what's become a, of a season that has nothing has been nothing but nose, a nosedive since Von Miller's freak accident. Here's my question. With Fant injured, Fanette non-existent, but seems to be not as effective, how is the TE rotation not getting to Albert Okuebunam? We're in a world where we're down the number one wide receiver, the number one tight end, the real third wide receiver, and the number two running back. Not even the number two running back, 1A at worst. Albert Okwebunam may be the TE, uh, and maybe the TE heavy set should be a plan coming into the Pats game, right? You would hope so. And, I mean, there's no reason not to play Albert O quite a bit in this game and just have him replicate Noah Fant in terms of operating with him in space. You don't want Albert O operating in pass protection because uh, we can talk about Noah Fant's struggles in pass pro, but Albert O, at least when we saw practices, Albert, uh, Albert O as a blocker, extremely raw, long, long way to go. But you can have him operate as kind of that move tight end and get him out in space and have him run some of the same routes, particularly short and outside, that Noah Fant was running. Yeah, I love the idea of uh, kind of bringing him in as a secret weapon mm-hmm. against the Patriots. The thing that always, always disappoints me, though, is you, most of the times you don't see these guys get unleashed. You know, I love the idea of building a game plan around Noah Fant and Albert Okuebunam and just saying, like, we're going to just let these guys run wild. And we're going to mm-hmm. have, you know, a, a 12 plays designed for them at least just you know using one as a decoy for the other one clearing out space over the top for the other one trying to draw safety so the other one can get available over the top all these things I would love to see that my confidence in that happening is low but I do think once he's fully healthy and that's the answer to your question why has he not been in there well there he is actually getting what I thought should have been the treatment for for KJ Hamler which is an abundance of caution uh, for his injury, just making sure he's 100% before they unleash him. And, and based on who I've talked to, he he's pretty close. All right, yeah. next one here from LDJ. So, is it time to be concerned about Justin Herbert? I mean, those deep balls make me so jealous considering the lack of deep ball uh, accuracy we've gotten from Drew this thus far. Is Herbert a potential issue for the AFC West? Potential issue? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's look. He's certainly looking like an issue so far. Um, you know, I, I'll just say you you can never know so early. It's easier to say from the outside. Um, there's there's a lot of variables that goes into a quarterback becoming you know a legitimate problem. But uh, I think that that Justin Herbert looks a lot better than I thought he was going to look. That that being said, said the same thing about Daniel Jones uh, early on uh, during last season. That being said. 
I also said that Drew Locke's the guy. So, you know, there's a – you know, you you can never know for sure, uh, but he certainly looks like he's on the right path. Um, wasn't able to finish the job yesterday, but that's not really what it's all about for him this this early. So, uh, a potential issue? Oh, yeah. Big time yeah. potential issue. Yeah, Je- Justin Herbert looks like the truth right now, and that can change. I'm not fully sold – uh, on him being the, the, a big issue for the Broncos the next 15 years. But you can't look at what he's done and not say that you're incredibly impressed. So I was not a Justin Herbert fan coming into the draft process. And so far, he's making me – and a lot of people didn't believe in him. And he, he's making us all look wrong. Yeah, I mean – they, they were, were up 24-7. Yeah. I didn't realize they blew. Well, they were, up, they were up 24 to 7, and then – what happened was just a terrible call when you're up 24-7, handoff from a rookie uh, rookie quarterback to a rookie running back because Austin Eckler was out, fumble, Bucks capitalize on the short field, make it 24-14 right before halftime. So it's funny that the Chargers, they took a risk when they didn't need to, and then you get later in the game fourth and one at the 40-yard line, and they punt. So there's some logical inconsistency going on with how the Chargers – are attacking their tactical decision-making in a game. Wait, Mace, how, how yeah. was that a bad call? Because I saw that that fumble. It was – No, it was he's saying a, like a bad play call. I'm saying bad play call. But, no, I'm, yeah, that, that, that's I'm, what – why is that I'm, a bad play call? It was just I, a normal handoff. No, what I'm saying is you at, – at that situation, you're up three scores. You're, you're in good shape. You're, in your, you're deep in your own territory. You take a knee and go to halftime. So it's interesting to me that you would be ri- you would take a risk there where the reward didn't out- outweigh the risk, and then you get later on on fourth and one where the reward would outweigh the risk in that scenario, and you punt. That's yeah. what's inconsistent about it. It is. I didn't realize. When, what, so they were up. So they scored 24 points in the first half. Yeah. And seven in the second half. That's all uh, set, all set to go up three, three scores into the locker room. And then you had the fumble and Tom Brady, maybe 43, but you give him that little window and he's going to go right through it. He did. Looking pretty happy that he's not in the AFC West in Las Vegas right now. Tom looked good yesterday after that pick six. Uh, he, he looked really good. He recovered from that, although, I mean, as a Bucks fan, you're used to pick sixes. It's just what you expect from the team. But then he got hot. It's tough losing O.J. Howard, no doubt, but uh, Cameron Braid, I think, is going to be able to step in and do 95% of what O.J. Howard was doing uh, because they're three deep at tight end. I mean, it's kind of silly. Just add O.J. Howard to the list of season-ending injuries on my fantasy team. Yeah, sorry about that, man, because he, he was starting to ball out. I know. I was like, I, I, I got him late in the draft. I was like, I'm just going to take a flyer on here in, in case Gronk isn't the receiving weapon that everyone thinks he still is. And I was right. And it's not going to pay off for me. Well, he got a but, touchdown for you yesterday, at least, before getting hurt. It's true. At least it's a dynasty league. So hopefully O.J. Howard <laughs> continues to develop as Tom Brady plays into his 50s. Uh, <laughs> from Schweed, my boys, was watching the Cleveland and Dallas game, and the run game was on point. How do the Broncos copy this outline? Is it looks like the same concept the Broncos are going for with Melvin and Phil? Well, first they have to have Melvin and Phil. Right. Got to have both of them. And I would fully expect, I know we were getting a lot of hope coming out uh, of Dove Valley last week that Phil was going to be able to play. Now I think it's what Mace was talking about, that two-week kind of yep. buildup for a guy being able to play. This is the second week he will 
I would be shocked if he didn't play this week. And then you do have Melvin and Phil. Where's AJ Boye at? I haven't heard a lot about him. He's he's going to be a while. Uh, I, I, he, I don't expect him to play this coming week. Uh, Vic even was pessimistic about him being able to play this time. And I've actually heard that it could still be, he could still be weeks away and it, maybe after the bye is is when it's realistic to expect him to return. Exactly what I'm hearing too, that basically uh, don't expect him back by the Chiefs game unless something accelerates here in the next couple of weeks that the Falcon game is probably the target for A.J. Boyan. That's been, unfortunate because you really wanted him against the Chiefs. This has been um, some very quiet um, – extending of the timeline by the Broncos. Because if you remember when the injury happened, they said two to three weeks. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And, man, if you don't have him going up against the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, it, oh, boy, eh. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> you got, one of you guys want to get the next one? Next one from DTL. Hey, guys, do you think Trevor would pull an Eli if he were drafted by the Jets? Because after the way they were playing Becton, I wouldn't want to go there. The man was literally crying on the sidelines. He was in so much pain, and they still played him. <laughs> we were at the TNVR bar. It was like all you could do is laugh. It's like, what the hell is this? What is happening? It's not like this is some guy they signed off the streets, and they're like, hey, buddy, we really need you to play. This is their first-round pick. It's I, so bad. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Like, the way he was holding his chest, it was, like, heartbreaking. Yeah, it was just absolutely pathetic by the Jets. And here's why I think that may not be the case, DTL, is because if they are getting Trevor Lawrence – Adam Gase at least shouldn't be there and the coaching staff shouldn't be there. And really even the GM uh, may not be there. So it would be an entirely different organization outside the owner potentially. And the owner is kind of a big thing though. And you go back to the Eli Manning situation back in 04 of the concerns that Archie had and Eli had as well, went all the way to the top with the Spanish family owning the team. And in the end, you go to the Giants, a much more well-run organization. It worked out. So I mean, I'm just saying, I would even if they change other things, I wouldn't be surprised if, they're, if, if Trevor Lawrence, if he doesn't have confidence in the Johnson family owning that team, if he says, I want, hey, I want to go elsewhere. I mean, it was the same. And part of it was uh, the same thing for John Elway back in 1983. It was uh, you had Frank Cush, and there, you know, there was a lot of knowledge of what type of coach Cush had been at Arizona State. But it was also it was also Bob Ursay at the time, not being the most stable of people owning that team, and understandably, John and the late Jack Elway wanted no part of it. How did the, like how did neither of these situations open up a Pandora's box of players doing this? especially because it worked out both times uh, in these in these scenarios. John always says, no way I'm going to the Colts, ends up with the Broncos, wins two Super Bowls, Hall of Fame, first ballot, all that. Mm-hmm. Eli Manning, no way I'm going to the Chargers, goes to the Giants, two Super Bowls, <laughs> Hall yeah. of Fame most likely. Uh, like, how are other – how are agents and players' parents and all these people not seeing this and demanding the same thing like like why didn't joe burrow do this yeah and boy what what's it what's it how's it gonna make you feel if trevor lawrence does this aren't you gonna be thinking okay this guy a generational talent two super bowls and hall of fame path 
Right. Well, like, doesn't John Elway, when they meet at the combine, does not doesn't John Elway bring this up with him? I mean, at least just take a flyer. Yeah. 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 Uh, Why not? Conference call Eli uh, when you're with him too in that room for 15 minutes. Can you imagine if they just had Peyton and Eli there? (laughs) I guess Peyton Peyton is the anti Elway. Um, well, that's true. That's true. But if Peyton wants to eventually become part of the Broncos organization, he would have a reason to be in the room with John and his brother. Yeah, he would. And he would <laughs> say, "Look, he would say, look. Actually, I made the mistake. Right. I should have. I should have done what these guys did. I ended up going to Indianapolis, and I only won one Super Bowl because of it. Because Jim Irsay is an idiot." Although that being said, I mean. It's funny, we've talked about both Bob Ursay and Jim Ursay in the course of this podcast. As we can criticize Jim Ursay, but that man is Eddie DeBartolo, Dan Rooney, and Pat Bowen combined compared with his dad. Jesus. Uh, Either way, either way, I just, it blows my mind that more players don't do this. Yeah. Especially because it's like worked and there was not really that much negative backlash. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, that now it's very much a thing in other sports to do this, but uh, you know, a little bit in the NFL, but still not so much, which is crazy. Trevor yeah. can, should do it because he totally has hand. And honestly with Joe Burrow, you mentioned him. I wonder if he might've done that if he weren't from Ohio. Yeah. And, yeah. Because the whole, th- there's the whole thing with Joe Burrow of being the, you know, the kid from, Southern Ohio, different. You know, he's from Southeast Ohio, not uh, Southwest Ohio, where Cincinnati is. But the kid from the, from Bengals territory, who the savior comes in and gets the franchise out of its funk and leads them to glory, the home yeah. state hero, make coming home and making good. I mean, yeah. There's a lot of rich possibilities there for Joe Burrow. Let's say Drew turns out to be the truth in, in the final part of this season. And the Broncos love him moving forward. But Trevor pulls something like this with the Jets. And the Jets say, well, we want a young quarterback in return because we obviously have to have something at that position. What would you be willing? And Drew's the truth. What would you be willing to give up along with Drew to get the number one pick? And what would be acceptable from the Jets? To find in 10 games. Say that again? Drew plays in 10 games. Define what what he showed to be the truth. Let's say, oh boy, to be the truth, 22 touchdowns and six interceptions. And what's the Broncos' record? They are... With with those numbers, they're probably 8-2 and or at worst 7-3. and I was just going to say they finish 8-8. and So they're seven and three. Yep. Um, man. So Drew in his starts though would be seven and four. Actually, seven and five based on the stupid rules because he counts as a loss against the Steelers. But but then, if you count the previous year, it's eleven and six. Right. Eleven and six for his first seventeen starts. Eleven and six. And you're also (laughs) you're having to. Oh, are are they going to just? How is this working? Are you acquiring the rights to number one? Yeah, you're you're getting the number one pick. They've locked it in. It's after the season. So we're going to assume you're at – you're picking at like 18? Yeah, 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 we can say that. Oh, you're going to have to give up a lot. Do you think think Drew 
that's probably still at least two first rounders and uh, a second rounder or two. Andrew. Yeah. Oh wow. Oh sheesh. Yeah. Um. Let's say let's say eighteen this year, your second round pick this year, and next year's first along with Drew. <laughs> it's a good. It's a good hypothetical. <laughs> Um, Why do we have to do this? <laughs> I th- I'm uh, I'm sticking with Drew. Sticking okay. With Drew. Okay. Um, because you have to be able to build the nest around him, whether it's Drew, or whether it's you know um, someone else. Uh, you have to be able to have the guys to 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 build around him. And Drew just put you showed you 22 touchdowns and six interceptions and a seven and three record in 10 games. There's no false positives around here. This guy can go. <laughs> now, in, in those 10 games, then, that would include two games with the Chiefs, one, with, one against the Saints, and then a couple against the Raiders and a couple against the Chargers and one against Buffalo. But what I'm saying is if you go, if you go seven and three, that means you've at least beaten the Chiefs, Saints, or Bills once. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a playoff team you, you got right. a win against, no there, doubt. And You've beaten one of the – and a team with – let's face it, Josh Allen's one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now. So you've beaten one – you've beaten somebody – you've beaten an alpha or somebody who's becoming an alpha. Without a doubt. And, I mean, their record, the Bills and the, the Chiefs are undefeated. Um, and uh, I don't want to look past the Chargers or the Raiders in terms of saying easy games. I know the Raiders are coming off a loss, right. but they've looked really good, I've thought, so far. And I think the Chargers, although they're just one and three, have been, have been very impressive as well. Yeah, you know, the thing with the Raiders is they're well coached. You know, love them or hate them. Uh, John Gruden is, is coaching that team well. But he won't put a freaking mask on on a regular basis. Is it going to cost them a draft pick? Uh, they're going to ha- – well, now, I mean, the league has indicated this is going to go to the next level here. Well, that's and he's already said. been fined, and the team has already been fined. So this, to me, is traipsing toward draft pick compensation, if not a suspension for well, Gruden. But they said this wow. last week that it could escalate. They said it on Monday of this week that it could escalate to mm-hmm. draft picks. And he completely dropped the ball again. Uh, that is harsh punishment. I mean, if that happens, uh, coaches are going to have masks glued to their face. What I don't understand, for, for anyone that's having a problem wearing a mask as a coach on the sideline, why not do the Andy Reid? Then, totally. then there's no worries about taking it on and off. I don't understand. If you want a cloth one on and you keep it on, that's fine. I don't care. But if you're having problems, why not do that? It's exactly what my know. wife said. Kyle when Shanahan John and uh, – Why won't you wear a mask? Why don't you just wear a shield? Kyle yeah. Shanahan and Doug Peterson both did a good job last night. I don't think I saw uh, them mess up really at all. But, yeah, I mean, if John Gruden costs the Raiders a draft pick because he wouldn't do the face shield, because, I, like, I understand taking it off and forgetting to put it back on. I think it's happened to anyone uh, at some point. But just you, when, the, when the stakes are this high – you absolutely do what you have to do to make sure you do not mess this up. Yeah, that would that would be such a Raiders thing to do, is lose a draft pick over it. I don't think the NFL wants the Raiders to lose a draft pick, though. Like, they want Vegas 
the Vegas team to succeed. <laughs> no, they, right. they, they want them to have young, exciting players when they open up that stadium next year. I don't think it would be a first-round pick, but what do you think it would be? Would they start with a seventh-round pick? Probably. Probably definitely a day three pick, right? The media mm, will be high-fiving. Yeah. <laughs> you got to have some teeth to it. I, I, think, may, I think maybe you, now that you've also had a scenario where you find the team – I think you kind of bypassed the seventh round pick. I think maybe you start with a five or a four. Oh, oh. oh my God. If they do, I swear, if they do that, you'll see every coach in the NFL with a uh, face shield next week just to make sure they don't screw it up. <laughs> Good. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I, I get it. I totally get it. But my God, I'll be blown away if, it's, if they go that ham on it. Yeah. Yeah. But especially, that... especially the week where, you know, COVID starts to rear its ugly head in the NFL. You're still not doing this? Yeah. Why they're having that conference call today. Because it's it's inevitable this would happen, that as you got into the regular season and everybody – people get a little bit comfortable. You start uh, maybe uh, maybe getting a little bit lax on things. This should be the – all this should be the reminder to everybody, okay, you got to stay on point with this. Yeah. Yeah. The reminder the base baseball got it and they get they got back on track. So hopefully football can get the same message here. Exactly. I totally agree. Last one, the other Ryan. My boys. Somehow the Broncos practice squad now features Sylvester Williams, Darius Gilgo, and Nigel Bradham. Williams and Bradham were important pieces to the Broncos winning Super Bowl fifty and the Eagles winning Super Bowl fifty two. Respectively, while players like Derek Tuska and Levante Bellamy are on the active roster. Uh, lost my uh oh what a wild year do you think that williams kilgore and or bradham will be first used uh as game day call-ups for two weeks before going to the active roster could the broncos look to reach an injury settlement with mark Barron and or demarcus walker and roll with bradham and or tim jernigan for the remainder of the season roster management has certainly become convoluted this season have a magical monday dnv army salute yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. what what a fantastic uh, practice squad the Broncos have. <laughs> Tons of experience on it, that's for sure. Uh, experience that, that was successful many, many years ago. But, uh, yeah, you're going to see Sylvester Williams and or Darius Kilgo be playing very soon, if not just this week. Crazy. Um, Nigel Bradham is a guy that the Broncos targeted before Mark Barron, so – Maybe this ends up working out for them in the in the long run. Yeah, and that's yeah, and Bradham's somebody they could really use right now. Absolutely, I'd, uh, he might be the of those name of those three names. Bradham would be probably the first one I'd call up. Yeah, me too. Me too. I think he can uh, he can legitimately help them out there. So, and what 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 role is he helping them in? Just linebacker depth. Yeah. So Even so not have any right now. Yeah. Yeah, but do you do you want to be taking Josie Jewell off the field right now? Huh. Uh, yeah, I think you can you can do some different things with Nigel Bradham uh, in terms of you know your schemes and coverages than you can with Josie Jewell. And the other thing is you can give Alexander Johnson and Joseph Jewell a breather. If you're going to send them after quarterbacks more often, you're going to need to maybe treat them a little bit like edge rushers and give them a breather every now and again so they can get their sta- keep their stamina for an entire game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before we get out of here, another shout-out to WGT Golf. DNVRGolf.com is where you go 
You download the app from there. That's how they know you're a DNVR family member. Then you double down on that by going into the country club section, typing in DNVR three, number three, no spaces, and joining the DNVR three country club. Uh, there's many, many DNVR members in there hanging out, playing. You can play each other. You can play in the tournaments against each other. It's really, really fun, uh, and it's the best and most realistic golf game in the world. So head over to dnvrgolf.com and download WGT today. But as for us, that's going to wrap up another edition of the DNVR Broncos podcast, the world's podcast, as some people have said. Uh, I hope you guys have a great, great Monday, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.